0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson. Thank you for returning and thank you to all of our new listeners today. Um, Thank you to everybody who responded to last week's episode, which was no FOMO, no fear of missing out. Because on this podcast, we want you to be financially free, physically free, mentally free, and emotionally free. And we're not going to do FOMO here. We're going to prepare for our future as best as we can. So you remember last week was a FOMO episode, and I told you that was kind of um, an audible. We had to call a last minute change because our guest uh, had some car difficulties. We'll call them car difficulties. And he was not able to make it. So thankfully, this week he was able to return to us, and um, we're now going to continue with our regularly pl- uh, scheduled program. I'd like to welcome our guest who is in South Carolina. So we are doing this via Zoom recording, but I'd like to welcome uh, my friend David Thedinga is our today's guest. Welcome, David.
1: Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me and so sorry about last week, you know. <laughs> That's okay. The, uh, the car issues. Yeah. I've never had my tire, like lose that uh, that amount of air in a short period of time to was just a really interesting ordeal. So, but I am so happy to be here and I'm so uh, stoked for what you're doing, Kai. And so thanks for having me on.
0: No problem. Thank you very much. So I'll just do a little brief history here. i it's kind of hard. I've known David for, I guess about 20 years. So I've known David, my entire, um, insurance career He's a little bit younger than me, but you know, we're both Gen Xers. So um, yeah, I've known him his whole life. Well, I've known him my whole insurance life. Like I said, I've worked with his father before. His father was very instrumental in getting me into the insurance industry. Um, David still works in the insurance industry. So we chat about a lot of different topics and issues. And there's my cell phone. We'll be turning that off. So um, today David is here. Um, we're going to go back to the insurance topic or kind of in the insurance family. All I've covered so far has been, um, all I've covered so far has been, we did PNC, I did some property casualty. We're actually going to have our life episode recorded in one or two weeks from now. So I have another insurance topic this this month, but this will be my first time covering anything around health, which is a big topic actually. Very big topic right now in the world of COVID. <laughs> it's the number one headline. It seemed to be pretty much Trump and COVID, was all we saw for the whole year of 2020. So, thank you very much for coming and, um, I guess since this is our first episode, first of all, let me back up. Do you want to say anything, David? Just take a minute, shout out anybody, anything you want to share. I'm just jumping right in. Let me give you a second.
1: No, I I think that's great intro. And all I'd like to say is that I think that you're right. I mean, right now it's been, there's been so much the last year in regard to healthcare. And uh, it's a very hot topic. It's a very polarizing topic. And I think that you and I have an opportunity today to really shed some light on, uh, you know, people learning about, you know, truly what's available in regard to maybe, uh, you know, what, what health insurance looks like today, what al- alternatives there are to health insurance and just really talk about, uh, giving people, you know, better, uh, information and That's opportunities right. to become more educated around, uh, you know, ways they can take care of their health and maybe try and find a f- more affordable solutions. So.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you very much for joining me. You probably have a little more expertise on this than I do. But of course, I'm licensed, just like you've been licensed. So (laughs) I know quite a bit. So let's start the discussion with again. um, Let's just go over some basic health stuff. Um, I feel like health insurance is something Most people don't understand the details of it because a majority of Americans do receive their health insurance through an employer, which means they don't typically shop for it personally. They're not comparing rates. They're not comparing coverages. They don't really know all the lingo with it. So um, before we start talking about some other options, uh, can we just go over what is traditional right now?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean... You you make such a really, really good point, Kai. Is that you know it's and it's it's trusting kind of what's been readily available maybe through an employer-sponsored plan for so long, and until people are kind of forced to really get to know what's available to them, you know, whether it be employer-sponsored or on their own through an individual or family type plan, Uh, you got different things that you look for, you know, in regard to a more traditional type insurance policy. You know, you look at uh, you have their HMO plants available that are more, you know, centralized medicine approaches like Kaiser Permanente. And you have uh, PPO plants that are more like they have a better network, a little bit more comprehensive opportunity uh, to get plugged in with a network of doctors and have a little bit more flexibility, you know, as far as options go. Then you also have, I mean, there's the the high deductible type atmosphere that's out there. So there are a lot of people are you know, they, they're probably familiar with what's called the HDHP, which is the high deductible health plan. Um, more options again, flexibility, but then what's happens is you're taking on more, you know, probably monetary responsibility and there's a, there's a, it's really important to understand that as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have that money uh, tucked away. It's, it's, a uh, kind of a gamble, not a gamble, but you know, who knows what year you may get really sick. <laughs> I've been very healthy the last 10 years. And this is the one year I have one major medical event. And now that high deductible plan is going to cost me
1: $15,000. Yeah. And I think there are tools out there. If you have a plan that has a higher deductible, there, there are tools out there that can be, that can get, be a good fit with a, you know, that type of plan, like a health savings account, mm-hmm. where you can put money away each year that kind of, Uh, you know, compounds and can roll over from one year to the next. And so that can help when you have that big ticket item. But you also got to realize that the cost associated, you know, with, with some of those traditional plans, unfortunately over time, I mean, it's just, it's, it's becoming more and more unaffordable for people, you know, which is, is very challenging because uh, you know, the cost with technology and the cost of people getting sick and just that whole deal is just, it's just, it's causing some issues to say the least.
0: Definitely. So, okay. So again, step one, what I, what I, um, experience most often is a person is losing their traditional sponsored healthcare, um, policy from their employer, either, you know, some of them actually have lost employment, but many people have started their own businesses. So. Mm-hmm. This has been the year of starting um, your own business branching out on your own. So when you do that, of course, now you're taking on all of these additional responsibilities other than running the business. And I would get a lot of phone calls. Hey, do you sell health insurance? You sell health insurance. And before I even get to that point, it is what are you looking for? How many people are you covering? How much do you I don't even know how to say it. How much, how much do you think this is going to cost or how much do you want to spend? You know, it's that, that's always going to be the sore point when we get to the cost. Um, So I'm kind of doing feelers with the person just to see what they know before I possibly give them a sticker shock. Um, Because when they come and they say, Hey, I just, you know, my, my last employer had Cigna and it pretty much covered everything. And all I did was pay five or $10 every time I went to the doctor and, you know, my my deductible was only maybe up to $100 a year, you know, something very rel- uh, relatively low. I'm just trying to get an understanding of what their expectations are before I may start offering some plans or some ideas. And uh, yeah, so that conversation, as you can tell, can go south real fast. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hold them with very gentle gloves. But, um, you know, you, you're going to get to the point where there's going to be the sticker shock. And especially when you're coming from a, a sponsored plan from an employer where they've been sharing a big percentage of that cost with you. Um, so, yeah, you want to just go over some terms first?
1: Yeah, I think when you when you do that, right. I mean, you look at uh, the types of plans that are available, again, depending upon if you are moving away from an employer sponsored plan. I mean, you're looking at the, the deductibles, you know, the the cost associated to that, Uh the co-insurance is another big ticket item, right? That people have to understand like what they're responsible for. We camp out so closely on like what you just mentioned, co-pays and doctor visits and having these small, you know, dollar amount, like, you know, items that they might pay for if they go see the doctor. But, you know, if the big major medical incident takes place, that's where it can really, really hit you hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's important that people begin to advocate on behalf of themselves and become a little bit more knowledgeable and learn about what, uh, you know, what the risk is, right. As mm-hmm. far as what their, what their monetary risk might look like and, and maybe trying to shift that, that, uh, focus or that maybe that prioritization around not worrying about those like, you know, five $10 copays and, and more or less kind of looking at protecting against something that's a little bit, you know, larger that could could arise for themselves or for the family member. And, uh, you know, being okay with uh, uh, maybe, you know, paying a little bit more out of pocket up front just to save maybe a little bit on premiums too. Because Kai, to your point, if you look at some some policies that they want apples to apples on an employer sponsor plan going to the individual marketplace, it's going to be you know, three times, four times mm-hmm. what they're potentially on the hook for, you know, as an, an employer sponsor plan. So they have to start getting creative quick to have it maybe be, even be cost effective, you know, as I far as that. budget budget goes.
0: Yeah. And so what I have to point out is they're looking at a couple different changes. So they, people don't really realize this. Um, I used to work in the, I used to work in tandem to the employee benefits department when I worked at Solo Cup Company years and years and years ago, I was in the risk, risk management department. So what you, what they have to realize, number one is you're losing a group discount. So when the employers get the plan, they've got you know, anywhere from hundred to ten thousand employees, whatever it is. Obviously, they're getting a huge discount because they have so many participants that will be in their group. Mm-hmm. And how that works, obviously, is some participants are going to be very healthy and hardly ever use the coverage. Some participants will be um, have a little have more health challenges and they'll use a lot more of the coverage. But overwhelmingly, there'll be more people that don't use it or don't max it out versus the people that do max it out. So an employer gets a huge discount. So when you come in on your own, just you and your family, you're not receiving the discount. You're getting the straight off the shelf price, which is you know gonna be higher. Um, and then people have to realize the other part that's the big um, factor is that there's no cost sharing. So your employer, when you buy it through them, not only are they getting a discount on the Mac, on the premium because of the group size, they're also sharing the cost with you. They're paying, you know, low end, probably 25% high end. You have some pl- employers pay, you know, up to 80 to 90% of the premium mm-hmm. on your behalf. So you're you're already at a discounted rate and then your employer's paying part of it on your behalf. So that leaves you with this little, you know, whatever amount that's left that they're going to charge your paycheck or deduct from your payche- paycheck. So I, again, I point that out. Then we have to talk about, like you said, deductibles. What is the difference between a deductible and a copayment? So quickly, uh, copayment is the, the part you pay up front when you show up at an office. So mm-hmm. lab work, um, regular appointment, whatever, follow-up appointment. You know, typically they run very, very low end, $5, but probably high end, 20 to $30 on a more traditional cost uh, employer sponsored plan. So that's just the copay when you walk in and you register for the appointment that day or that morning when you get there, that's what they collect from you up front when you get to the office. Typically, sometimes they'll let you pay right before you leave. Then you have the um, um, coinsurance. So in the coinsurance, it, it applies to most policies, but the coinsurance is you have, you're going to have these services done and your insurance policy is going to cover say 90% of the costs of that of that service. So not only did you pay the, you know, $20 copay when you got to the office, they're going to do whatever the service is and typically this is on usually higher, not higher services, less traditional because your physicals and things are pretty much usually always covered, your routine services are usually covered almost completely. But when you're going to have some type of specialty, something that's not as common, then you get the co-insurance clause. And co-insurance, like I said, it's a percentage of of the charges. So you had something done maybe for $3,000. Your co-insurance is um, 10%, 20%. So you have to pay the 10 or 20% of that 3,000. So people need to realize there's co-insurance and there's co-pays, and then you have deductibles, which is a whole nother part. <laughs> so your co-insurance and I think your co-pays even, don't they both go towards your deductible?
1: In some cases they do. Yes. Yep. Okay. It just depends on like the the definitions right. around the deductible, but I think you're uh, you're spot on to about like, when you look at the deductible and then uh, the co-insurance, another thing that gets interesting with co is you have the in network and out of network. Like oh, you mentioned, yeah. like the specialist is, in many cases, like coinsurance might, there might not be any coinsurance mm-hmm. given some circumstances or it could be 10 or 20%, but in in some instances, uh, it could go 30, 40%, you know, or 50. Depending upon, or 50. I've
0: seen 50.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the other thing people need to know too is that you've got to look at what uh, what the max cap or limit is on that coinsurance because that also, like sometimes like a, a policy uh, provision might say that there's a max cap of 15,000 or 20,000 dollars out of pocket or there may not be a max cap which means that if you have a 100,000 dollar loss and something ends up out of network then you could be responsible for, you know, 20 20, 30,000 dollars of that. Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand like to your point about like, you know, people being informed when they come out of a certain s- situation by having like maybe a group sponsored plan that's more subsidized. It is very different and it doesn't have to be daunting by any means. You just have to be more informed and advocate on your on your own behalf so you know what is available to you and make some good decisions based off of that.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, I need to use the same assessment for people looking for any type of health coverage as I do with people who are wanting to invest. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I need to do a whole, what is your risk tolerance? How sick do you get every year, your children? How often do you go to the doctor? What, you know, I, like I kind of want to go through, so I, I, I unofficially go through that process with people just to see where we should lean. Where should I start? like you don't want to just turn somebody off immediately so I kind of want to feel out what their expectations are and what they know and then start from there yeah okay so and then the last thing I'll say about that is of course um you know we had um the ACA Affordable Health Care Act or Obamacare everybody calls it something different so we had that come into play how is how old is AC I have no idea 10 years oh uh,
1: yeah well gosh it's, it's it's been there for a while now and I think that you know the um, the thing about the ACA is that every state is different. You mm-hmm. know, and there's some federal guidelines that are kind of like the minimum essential benefits if you go mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the marketplace and and which which can be again to your point. I love what mm-hmm. you just said, and I think you know, I mean, um, everybody is unique, and every everybody's appetite mm-hmm. for you know for healthcare or coverage or you know some type of a solution is going to be different. Exactly. And so understanding that what might be important to one may not be important to to another, you know, and uh, I think what's really nice about our country still is that there's a lot of options that are available to people, you know, a lot of a lot of there still is a lot of freedom to choose. And obviously, there's parameters with some of that, but it's right.
0: So yeah, um, with the ACA, sometimes I was going to say, if they are accustomed to the more traditional subsidized sponsored plans. Sometimes I think that's a better option for them, whether they're going to receive a subsidy payment from the government or not, or whether it's, you're just going to pay the full price because you don't qualify. They do a little bit of a, well, not a better job. It's required. That's part of the guidelines of the ACA is that they have to have these minimum coverages, minimum standards. Whereas when you go outside and just buy it off the street, They're allowed to um, make their plans however they want. They can Mm -hmm. include whatever coverage is there. Well, there's no guideline, you know, obviously federal laws, but there's no minimum coverage guidelines. So I've walked a lot of people through um, the Affordable Health Care Act if they're used to more traditional plans. And they do a pretty good job on their website of comparisons and making it pretty clear. If you understand deductibles and coinsurance, they do a pretty good job of letting you know in advance what will be covered, what won't be covered, or how much you're going to spend typically on these things that you need. Mm -hmm. So that's the ACA. Now let's start talking about um, some, we won't say non-traditional. Well, at this point they're non-traditional just because they're not the majority. And it's, you know, just like cryptocurrencies it's just not that well known yet. So we have other plans and what, what do you call these other plans? Do they have an official name or cause I've heard them call a lot of things.
1: They do. And so let me like, let, let's back up for a second too. Okay. I think what's really cool about like, even everything that you're talking about is um we always have, as a society, we want to see improvements, mm-hmm. right? We want, we want, um, uh, more opportunity more flexibility more freedom more choice and 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 that's where kind of disruption in business takes place right is in trying to make things better for the people uh and so you know when you talk about traditional health insurance what we're seeing now is we're starting to see some different options pop up and they've been around for a little while but they're really starting to gain gain traction and uh in many cases, there's a few a few that are kind of you know uh, available. I think to the average person, and, and these are these are called um, medical cost-sharing communities. Okay, and some of them are can be uh, can be driven by ministry, you know, focus and kind of more uh, based on religious values. And so there's through the through the government, there's the ability to kind of come together based on certain principles and then share in those costs with one another. Uh, There's also, you know, other communities that are out there that are, that are more inclusive, that maybe are less restrictive in regard to, uh, you know, maybe like uh, disallowing someone based on, you know, a a reason here or there. Uh, And, you know, honestly, I think that what's exciting is that the the medical cost sharing communities is just that. So it's, it is, uh, it's sharing peer to peer versus the transferring of that risk being, You know, turned over to an insurance company. You have people now that are coming together that are trying to figure out like how they can try and, you know, make it more affordable for themselves and still support, you know, others and themselves in a way that can do the same thing as insurance, but is just the mechanisms built a little bit different. And I, and honestly, I'm very encouraged in the direction because. Uh, I think that people are appreciating a lot of the opportunity, the lot, you know, the the cost savings, and the more flexibility and freedom to choose with some of those options versus, unfortunately, traditional can be very good at at times. Uh, the insurance piece can be, but it is becoming more restrictive because it's it's so expensive mm-hmm. you know, anymore.
0: So cost sharing. Do you remember the show, David? Because I love this show. And I, I when the show was on television years ago, I was not familiar with any any setup familiar to what they showed in the show. It had Tay Diggs. It was a spin-off of um was it a spin-off of Grey's Anatomy?
1: Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. What was about. that oh, show called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was it a oh, spinoff gosh. of
0: Melrose Place? What?
1: Show no, was- it was it was, I think it was, was it a medical show? It was a medical was, show, right?
0: Right. It was like a cost so it was, sharing. So it was was. Um,
1: it was. Um,
0: What's the name of the show?
1: Oh, It was it's the gal. Like, it was the gal. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. The
0: was something. That, there was the medical doctor. There was the, the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. There was the, the OBGYN. Remember there was the OBG in there. And I love the show. And I thought that idea was so cool. I was like, how come I can't just belong to one of them? And it was really easy for you to sh- have them share your records because they were all in one building and they all had a relationship with each other. So, you know, they could maybe the one woman was having a fertility issue. So she was with the OB, but then it became, you know, kind of a, a psychological issue. So they sent her across the hall. She saw the psychologists over there and then they I love that idea. And that, that I'm pretty sure that was a cost sharing. That was cost yeah. sharing. They paid into that network, whatever the show is, we can't even remember the name of it. Private practice.
1: Private practice. Yeah, that was it. Thank you, I think, Orlando. <laughs> so that was like, so that would be like there's the other thing too that, that is, you know, and that's another part of disruption around some of this is that you're starting to see uh there's a company out of New York now, it's called Parsley Health. Uh and they have a subscription model. Mm-hmm. And so they have like a practice where they have a number of different types of practitioners in that practice. And so everybody pays a monthly you know, amount and then they have access to that facility. A lot of people can go that direction too, Kai. I mean, the challenge there is that they don't have the ability to pay for that big ticket you know, like Mm -hmm. that big medical expense that could hit you. Uh, But that's where, you know, when you look at, when you do like a juxtaposition or comparison between traditional health insurance and medical cost sharing, it's much less, you know, probably nine times out of 10, you're going to find where it's 35 to 65% less than it would be with traditional health insurance if you move to a cost sharing community. Mm -hmm. I think people just are a little bit apprehensive because they don't know. Right, so right. they have to become more informed, and they have to learn about it, but it does give you the the flexibility. And I think to your point about like private practice and, and stuff like that, is it frees up healthcare dollars,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, for you to be able to do the things that are important to you, and then still potentially have like that big ticket, you know, item, or so. you know those those larger amount risks, because they hit you.
0: That is when I knew right away when <laughs> you said, cause they don't know. I don't know what year it was maybe two years ago. So I'm just paying for my own plan. Just, you know, got my own plan on my, on myself. And I paid whatever amount of money it was 600, $500 a month. I can't remember the exact premium, but so, and then I had a separate plan for dental and I paid all this money per month. And at the end of the year, I looked at how much I spent. And I tallied up the maybe one or two times I went to the doctor that year and the service I received and they made a killing for me. They they just, it was crazy. I paid like close to maybe $8,000 in the year for the medical coverage and the dental. And I had, I had gotten my teeth cleaned twice, which if I would pay cash out of pocket would have been three, $400 tops. And then for my medical... You know, it's hard to read their charts and tell, but the medical cost was probably, I don't even know if I hit a full $1,000, 1200 or something. And I paid about $8,000 that year. And in that model, that other money is gone. It does not roll over. I, I'm not, it's not going to deductible next year, co-insurance next year. It's not in a pot of money for me. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty easy way. And, you know, I I, I think in dollars and cents a lot of times. So that was a pretty easy way for me to say, okay, I just lost $6,000 last year. Gambling on maybe I do have a major health occurrence and I'll need it, but I didn't. And the money's gone. And now it's January 1st. And I got to think of another plan. Like, am I going to spend this $8,000 again in case I get sick? Or am I going to change and do something
1: that's a, that's such an incredibly valid point because it becomes sunk cost, right? I mean, when you look at, you can't look back, you can only look forward, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to have a new way forward where some of this is concerned and, and why, let me, I'll, I'll blow your mind with this too, that the community that our family is involved in is a, is a community called new health. And so new health, like even takes it a step further than like some of these Um, traditional, even more medical cost sharing communities is that new health is focused on true wellness. So helping people, you know, with, with true wellness um, support and prevention, as well as that financial, like peace of mind, you know, that they need in the event that they have a large need arise for dollars and it's very cost effective. And so, you know, to, to your point, in being proactive, like what, what's the best bang for your buck? Um, new health on the preventative side has a, uh, a partnership with a, uh, you know, I call it, uh, what do you call it? A deposit or a depository, like a, uh, supplement company. One of the best in the industry where they have access to a multitude of different supplements, anything you can think of. And every member of new health gets a 35% wholesale discount on them. And so that helps kind of a big personal mission for me too, is this is like my 10 year journey of learning about my own health and kind of, you know, unlearning and kind of, um, healing, et cetera, is that, you know, everybody thinks that it's all about pills and about medications and all that. Well, supplements can really do a lot of the same thing as medications and they don't have the side effects, you know, some more natural, uh, medicine. I'm very big into essential oils too, but, um, So people can use those natural supplements, right? And have a major discount. Uh, There's also health coaching available, Uh right? So instead of relying on a doctor or, you know, or not knowing about certain things, like our, our members get access to... Uh, a group of health coaches and a, a few of those visits are actually paid for by on behalf of new health to kind of figure out what's going on. So people can learn more about nutrition and, you know, physical fitness, you know, maybe mindfulness, things that are becoming more important. Uh, and there's some other really cool, like, you know, preventative type, uh, you know, measures that the, the company has, there's access to run more comprehensive labs, Around a lot of people, again, not knowing what uh, is available, but functional diagnostic labs, you know, discounted labs. So they can actually, and they don't need a doctor to do that, which is, you know, which is unheard of. So they can actually run their own panels and have maybe a practitioner or doctor interpret that for them. But it just, it creates, it's creating more access.
0: And Better education. Mm
1: -hmm. Everything
0: you said is better education because with I've, I've made quite a big change and I never ate extremely unhealthy, but I've made quite a difference in the types of vitamins. I'm more intentional about my vitamins. Mm -hmm. And and I don't take pills. So I don't, I can't swallow them. I don't take pills. I've never taken pills. I do take supplements, but they're always in just a form of essential oils. Like you said, I take a lot of liquid based or powdered based um, supplements. And so I was able to take a lot of the money from the savings of what I was paying on that old health plan, Mm -hmm. eat better, buy better foods, better fruits, better vegetables, better supplements, And be more intentional, but everything you said was um, something that intrigues me. So I've had a lot of coaching that has happened. I've had um, food coaches, I've had health coaches, I'm in a couple of classes right now, which are more mental, emotional coaching. Um, I did meet with a woman, I can't remember her name, it was a long. it was before my daughter was born, but I went to her and she, I don't remember how the test was run, maybe it was a blood test, I can't remember, but she had me perform a test with her and then she, that book like Eat for Your Health or Eat for Your Blood Type, Mm -hmm. she did kind of a assessment like that, okay, this is what the results of all these tests showed and so your blood type or your, you know, your body style you should do these things. And it was, it was around vitamins. It was around types of exercise and how much, how much sleep. I mean, it was a full assessment. I still have um, the results because when I went in, it was like a two hour meeting going through all these line by line. And I still have it, but I definitely, I like that. I support that. I'd rather have, I think that's what health insurance should be. Actually (laughs) health coverage, health insurance, cost sharing, whatever you want to call it. I think it should come with a lot more one-on-one. I mean, how, oft, how long do you sit with the doctor in the office? The doctor's in there for five minutes. The nurse does all your pre-work. Probably at the front desk, you filled out all the, the forms, what's happened, why you're here, all this stuff. The nurse does your blood pressure, your weight. The doctor comes in, flips a couple pages over, repeats a couple questions, tells you two or three sentences, and then they're almost done. You know, they may, they may check your pulse too, and then they're finished. Okay. That doesn't help a lot that you haven't taught me anything. You've told me some stuff, but you, you haven't taught me anything like, so I'm, I'm free to go back out into the world and redo the same behavior because the antibiotic is going to fix it within seven to 10 days. Or, you know, the, the shot, you know, the vaccination may or may not help it for the next so many years but I've learned no lesson on how to improve my living at all. You've you've taught me how to get rid of the pain or get rid of the, the the symptoms today, uh, next year, maybe. And then I'll be back Surely I'll be back because I'm not really sure you never spent time with me telling me why it is this way, how I got this way.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think going back to that disruption comment, right, is that I think the needs of society have changed, and we just, we deserve better. And and systemically, I believe that our healthcare workers and everybody that's working so hard in that space, you know, are working in the parameters or sometimes the constraints of that space, but sometimes the change just comes from the outside, right? And so the paradigm is, is shifting, and to your point, you're not the only person, like everything that you just said, there's so many people out there that are desperate to learn more about the why is behind the what, where health and wellness are concerned. And they need to find people that can help them. You know, they need to find the right practitioners. The other challenge is with traditional uh, in, insurance is that there's a restrictive network. We talked about that a little bit going through some of the basics. When you're with a you know, it could be even a ministry sharing plan, or even like a, a more inclusive, you know, uh, option like New Health. There are no restrictions on doctors, so you can use a, an MD or a chiropractor if you're more comfortable with that. Or, you know, uh, maybe if you're 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 digging different types of practitioners, there's there's options to get involved with with different types of you know providers, you know, based on the need. You know, even like we talk about coaching a little bit. Uh, a lot more flexibility. And the, and the best part too, is, is, is that you have that peace of mind in the event that you do have a major medical, you have the hospitalization, you know, uh, peace of mind, if you need it, you have the ability to, to have those resources. And uh, because of the administration, there's bill negotiation. The other problem we have right now is transparency around cost. You know, nobody really knows what's going on, like between, you know, health insurance companies and hospitals and nobody knows what the actual, like the true cost is of a procedure or of a medication or a, you know, a a test, an X-ray or, you know, a MRI, whatever it might be. So again, as a society, we deserve better. We deserve to know what's going on. And so um, there's people in New Health that advocate on behalf of the numbers, and there's also no dollar amount limit. That's one thing we we kind of didn't we. I don't. I wouldn't oh. say we glossed over, max. but on there's <laughs> <Yeah>. there's max <laughs> limits on traditional insurance policies, and at, at New Health there is no max amount because we know that truly that that max amount's kind of an illusion, anyways, because of bill negotiation. And because if you, if you take a more integrative approach and you look at things in a more um, holistic, you know, like big picture perspective of understanding the health uh, situation to begin with, you're not going to reach those types of, you know, dollars.
0: And who wants to? This no. is not an intentional, this is not quote unquote milking the insurance company. Nobody wants to reach the max on their health insurance. That's correct. Just- Not a goal of anybody on on this earth. (laughs) Nobody wants, that means you're doing pretty bad. So um, yeah, I don't like the max. Um, Yeah, so I like, I'm appreciative that in the more recent years, health insurance companies have at least taken the stance of including like the plan I did have last year and I switched again this year. So the plan I was on last year, they did include um, a health insurance membership and it was pretty much to any gym. There were, there was not a limitation on the gym location or type. Um, and you know, they, they included a few, um, perks in there, but like you said, I, I would like to see more counseling and advisory a lot more proactive. Can we get some proactive services to get people started on the right track? You know, Mm -hmm. get, You know, and nowadays get them started earlier. You have young children. I have young child. Can we, other than the parent, you know, we're doing our best, but my daughter eats one way here. She eats a different way at a, a, you know, at another household. So can we just get the children even started on better habits? And the only way I remember um, growing up, I had a friend who was on, she, her her family's on the macrobiotic diet, which I, I had never heard of it before. Hmm but I spent a lot of time at her house. So I was, you know, I almost want to say 50% of the time I was on the macrobiotic diet as well. Um, But I can remember when we would be at school and outside of her house, you know, she ate Doritos and all the other junk we ate while we were at school or at basketball games or wherever we hung out. Um, So if we could just shift, you know, I guess that's kind of anti I, i'm i'm here in the world of coca-cola <laughs> It's kind of anti where they'd like us to go but that's a goal of mine if we could just get better habits and more um proper coaching um, if it could be included whether it's in the school or in the health systems or whatever it is just get people start on the right track because at my age now i'm relearning a lot of stuff
1: mm-hmm. and me too, me too
0: yeah i'm, I'm almost learning my body in a different way, what I, um, what I react to, what I don't react to, what makes me feel better or worse. Before, I, when you're a kid too, everything, you feel pretty good. I mean, your body's pretty resilient. So when you're younger, you could eat, I could eat 12 ice cream bars and I felt fine within the hour, it didn't matter. Now, maybe not so much. So the, you know, I, I love that part. I just keep harping on that, but I like the advisory part of it. I really enjoy letting people have a a comprehensive meeting uh, appointment or whatever it's going to be called assessment so that they're on the right track before we get to co-payments and co-insurance and deductibles and other, and, and medications.
1: It's uh, it's our systems. The emphasis has been so much on reaction, you know, Mm -hmm. think about all those things that you just said. It's, a little bit of that can be like an annual visit. Yes. But everything else is reaction. Mm -hmm. And again, why the shift is needed to your point is, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you're at, you know, as far as like the health journey goes. I mean, you said it, like I go back 10, 15 years and I was not, you know, healthy at all. I didn't eat good, drank too much alcohol, didn't exercise enough. You just, the list goes on and on and on. But over the course of, of learning and being willing to, you know, uh, have an open mind and adjust. And in my situation, kind of saying no to drug suggestions and just, you know, that's the problem is that there's just so many drug suggestions out there. Uh, you know, I did some hard work and I feel freaking amazing at 42, you know, versus 32 or 27. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there's hope. It doesn't matter where people are at, what they've experienced in the past is that if they do take the leap into better opportunities, better solutions for themselves, their families, where they can get better answers, you know, to your point, you've had to do your story is incredible. Like even listening to you, like I can tell you've done a lot of work on yourself, you know, but you've had to do that work. It hasn't been provided for you. And that's hopefully where like my dream is, is really to really provide more tools and redefine what healthcare, you know, looks like costs look like, you know. Um, I mean, coverage is just pertains to insurance, but you know, uh, sharing looks like, you know, all of it are, you know, like large incidents look like. So that's just, I don't know. There's just a lot of substance here. It gets me really excited.
0: Yeah. So my major shift honestly came from my pregnancy. <laughs> that that was my, one of my major shifts. Um, I had Sila older and so going in, they wanted to put me as high risk. I was, I was high risk pregnancy and nothing had happened yet. Like I walked in the door and I was high risk <laughs> and I was like, Um, Shouldn't you run a test first? You want to ask me some questions. Did I walk? You know, is there a spot on my head? Is there something that's telling you I'm high risk, and it was just based on my age? So I went along with the program because I didn't know much at the time. I'd had a lot of family members that actually have had home births at that point, but Mm -hmm. you know, I was not there for any of them, so it was whatever. But the longer I went down the traditional path, like they kept making me feel worse and worse, like. I have to do extra tests, I have to come in, you know, double the appointments, I have to have all these extra things, even though I felt fine. And I was, you know, so it started stressing me out, like, I'm believing now I'm high risk. I'm like, man, I'm high risk. Not because of anything, not because of any tests. It was just, they put me in the high risk category. So eventually, uh, I had a big disagreement with my OB, And it actually wasn't with my OB. Let me take that back. My OB was a great person. I had a disagreement with her midwife, which was her, you know, her midwife and her midwife in her practice.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We had a disagreement. Um, And I said, okay, I got to find other options. Like, at that point, I was like, this is not going to work. This is going to be a a disaster when we get to birthing time. So I ended up with a, um, a midwife love her to death. But in that last, I didn't find my midwife until I was probably five months pregnant. In that five last four months of pregnancy, she taught me so much. And the one thing she would repeat, this is verbatim. And she would tell me all the time, this is not my birth. This is your birth. She would say it every time I'd ask her a question or I'd make an assumption. She'd be like, no, this is not my birth. This is your birth. And she would say all the time, I am here to assist you. You're having a baby. I'm not having a baby. You're having a baby. My job is to assist, advise, and coach you. And when I'm telling you this woman made me work, she made me work. In that last four to five months, I read all kinds of books. Like she assigned them. I had assigned readings. I had movies and documentaries I had to watch. I had I had to study different vaccinations, Which one was I going to opt for? Which one wasn't I going to opt for? Why? Um, She had me do all my own labs when I would go meet with her. When you go to the regular doctor, you know, you pee in the cup or whatever, you give it to them and they do everything. Nope, not with her. You did the whole thing. You did the, you put the pH sticks in there. You documented your own charts. Like you did your own, um, what's a little pre thing when you, when you got to her appointment, I took my weight. I I didn't do my blood pressure, but she had you do like quite a bit of the -hmm. the basic stuff. So that was the major shift in my life is what I'm going to say. When I realized that I actually could birth my own child, like, because I can't say she birthed her, I birthed my own child and she helped me. It was like, Whoa, now wait a minute. And you know, and she kept reminding me, like, your body was made to do this. This is natural. Like, we're not telling it what to do. It knows what to do. We're, we're assisting it in doing what it was designed to do. And that thought process that she ingrained in me shifted through the rest of my body. Like, okay, so my body was designed for the heart to beat this fast at this rate and da, da, da. And what do I need to do to assist it to do what it's designed to do? And since then, I've taken that thought process.
1: So just that right there is so inspiring to me, right? Because that's where the breakthrough happens, right? You had someone that cared about you enough to empower you. That's another really cool thing that I, I mean, that is what kind of the, our cost sharing community is all about is responsibility and empowerment. Because Unfortunately, we kind of passed that responsibility over to the medical establishment. Mm-hmm. And I have so much grace there because you mentioned, I was actively listening to you. I mean, you mentioned kind of feeling uncomfortable because of the statistics, maybe of how you were labeled as maybe having um, a potentially a high, higher risk, you know, uh, pregnancy. And you can't just fit us all in a box, right? And that's kind of what, unfortunately, Western medicine has turned into is, control limits and parameters and statistics and there's just there's so much there and uh unfortunately we've gotten away from you know empowerment and responsibility and how we can advocate on behalf of ourselves and and uh find resources and people that want to help us you know advocate and empower you know empower us because i mean that story is real and there's a lot of stories like that out there What's heartbreaking to me though, right now, and that's why again I'm super passionate and trying to get involved in these newer concepts and and trying to help people, you know, build more trust in them, is that there just aren't those resources aren't readily available, right? Because it's going back to what I said earlier, it's reactive. It's re it's more about the reaction than it is. It's more about the symptom management that you alluded to earlier than it is about how do we truly empower. And create responsibility and get people, uh, you know, un-unhook them from mm-hmm. being. I don't. I don't like the word enslavement, but it's kind of a little bit like being enslaved.
0: Well, you're dependent.
1: Mm-hmm. Dependent. You're
0: completely dependent yeah. on what they say and what they give you, and then if you're not uh, motivated to want to know why, which I, I tend to be motivated to want to know why. But if you're not motivated to want to know why, then you just take, you take the prescription, you fill it, you take the drugs and then, you know, you're, you think you're recovered or you're better, but you don't know why (laughs) you, you know, you're recovered because you took the pills, but you don't know how you got there in the first place.
1: Yep. So true. Yeah. And that's, 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 people don't know what questions they ask, right? That's, that's the other problem is that they don't know um, what's the effectiveness of this treatment. You know, like what, Um, how many people does it take for, you know, how many people are, have, are taking this drug how many people are having good, good, you know, benefits and how many people are having adverse or negative, Mm -hmm. you know, effects, Mm -hmm. I mean, side effects to these medications. And I, I think we're reaching that boiling point in, you know, in many instances. And right now with, with COVID, there's a lot of education out there around viruses, like, you know, taking care of yourself, what can you do? and and not being like in fear, you know, and trying to better like forcing people to maybe learn a little bit more differently.
0: Ugh. So and the fear will drive you to, to be sick by itself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if people didn't
0: realize that, yeah, the living in fear will make you physically sick. So you're guaranteed to need some health uh, assistance at that point. You're gonna make yourself sick from the virus or you're gonna make yourself sick from the fear of getting the virus? Which which one do you want?
1: Yeah. And Another thing too, I'll just mention that you know that not to camp out on, well, I should yes, I do want to camp out on this because because it, it is something we should. But health is so much more diverse than like how we limit it today, right? to I mean, the spiritual um, aspect of health, the the emotional, you just mentioned it, which kind of triggered me to start bringing up the emotional um, wellness you know, uh, relational wellness. Mm -hmm. And then you have, yes, you have physical, you know, wellness and, but there's so many tools and resources that are out there today that can help with every single one of those key areas. But unfortunately they're just not as supported by traditional healthcare systems and health insurance systems because we've just become so comfortable with the status quo. And unfortunately it's very profitable
0: mm mm-hmm. Very. The number—it's like in the top three, I believe, for the U.S. economy because <laughs> we don't really manufacture anything. So it's like healthcare is top. It's in the top three.
1: I, think, I believe you're right. I think when I read it last, it was maybe 20% of the gross domestic product. Yeah. It's it's up there, big time.
0: <laughs> so our 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 country lives off of health problems. I don't even know how to say it. Just health issues, health costs. Uh, Not exciting. All right. Well, um, I think we covered quite a bit. Is there something else? Let's see. Anything else that you can think of? Do you want to cover any more information that you want to share or if people want to get in contact with you?
1: Yeah. I mean, my biggest thing is just trying to, you know, help people understand that there are other alternatives, if they're looking, you know, that are very inclusive, that can meet them where they're at today, but also provide hope for a better tomorrow. Right? I mean, in the sense of, and primarily what I'm talking about. I mean, I become a much big, you know, much bigger um, believer in alternatives to traditional health insurance just because of all the challenges, kind of that we've talked about, mm-hmm. and. I think there's a lot of people that are starting to feel those pains. And some of those have to do with the transitions, you know, for maybe being an employee to becoming self-employed or me, unfortunately, being out of work or, you know, having to find a solution to, to fill that void. Um, But anything I can do to help you, you know, your community, I would love to, you know, support them and get them plugged in with the right situation. The community that our families fall in love with, uh, fallen in love with is, uh, is new health. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it's very, very affordable for us. Uh, for my family, my three kids and myself, it's just a little over $500 every month, like only $6,500 a year in uh, total cost to our family. And we have so all those you other- You pay
0: less for the four of you than I pay for me.
1: Okay. Well, I'm telling you, it's just, it's incredible <laughs> and, and the benefit. So it allows me then to shift my dollars like- I go to a here a place here locally in Mount Pleasant, um, South Carolina called Sweat House, where they have a nice infrared sauna that I like to use. I'm a big mm-hmm. CrossFit advocate. I like using natural supplements and essential oils, so I have um, dollars that help me with my wellness and my fitness that aren't being tied up in insurance premiums.
0: Mm. That's great, you know.
1: So I, I, I'll tell you, that's where. That's where I think the biggest pain point is, is it's like everybody's just so I shouldn't say okay, but we're just so I guess um tied in with okay, I guess we're just gonna have to pay that because if we need it, you know, worst case scenario, we're gonna throw away. I know of families that are spending twenty-four thousand dollars just in premiums every yeah.
0: year. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know those families.
1: Yeah. So Anything, I'll just say anything I can do to help you. You know your community, your listeners, your you know people that are close to you. I would love to where okay. find them better uh, healthcare possibility.
0: Well, we're definitely going to talk offline because I want to get more information for myself personally, and um, I will anyone who will share information on how to contact him or contact me and I'll contact him or whatever. We'll have that in the show notes. I'll have it everywhere. Everybody who's listening should know how to reach me already, but it will be shared anywhere. And so I'm being, I'm being, no, I'm saying still safe. yes, I'm being reminded because you guys know I struggle with this every week, like, and share and subscribe and review and comments. And reach me at my website, readysetfree.me, readysetfree.me. Same thing on Facebook, same thing on Instagram, same thing on YouTube and Twitter, guys. I'm, I'm doing better on Twitter now. I'm there at least two days a week. <laughs> I'm on Twitter two days a week. Um, so yeah, like, share, subscribe, review. Um, I will have information on how to reach me through or David through me or David directly. David, thank you so, so, so very much. It's nice to see you.
1: Hey, it was thank so you. nice to see you too. And I'll tell you, I love, uh, I love the theme of your mission here and I would just encourage you to just to press on. And I mean, I, I hope some of the conversation that you and I had today is, uh, is helpful, you know, for people. Yeah. So.
0: And I'm going, I mean, we covered a lot. So everyone, I'm just going to remind you again, no FOMO. We're not panicking. You're not missing out. We're going to take it day by day. I intentionally started this podcast at the beginning levels for everyone. So you can jump in where you fit in. If you've already, if you know all this stuff, okay, this is either just a reminder or wait till we do the next episode. We'll have more detailed information. But um, my challenge to everybody listening is going to be just do one thing just one thing i'm taking a self improvement class right now with um with mama evelyn and last week to this week she challenged us all to make three changes three changes that will help improve our health our welfare our mental emotional states um last week i did two of the three so i was short one i have one to make up but um, David and I covered a lot of stuff here, just a lot of we little did. things that we, that you can do implement just to improve your, I mean, it's like your well-roundedness. I don't, can't even just say your health. It can improve across many areas.
1: It can improve across many areas. And then I'll just say, this would be the last thing I'll, I'll uh, say is, uh, for me, and even what I heard you saying is, is, uh, Keep an open mind and be willing to unlearn and relearn because Mm -hmm. that's going to expand your horizons and your possibilities. Because if you stay stuck in, you know, in a particular mindset where your health and wellness is concerned, you're going to stay stuck with the current, you know, I guess, result that you're getting and probably Mm -hmm. how you're feeling. But if there's a willingness to go, you know, deeper, at least keep an open mind, that's where it gets, it gets to be really fun. Right. So
0: there, I'm going to let him wrap it up. That is exactly what it is. I don't want to say anything behind that. Don't stay stuck in your mindset, you know, be willing and open to try new things, listen to new things and learn new things. So thank you guys, everyone who was here for listening to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.